It'd be kind of fun to see how long you would stand up if I didn't say that. Somebody would get tired and sit down, and then I'd remember. And So I'm thankful that the Lord helps us. Amen? They're taking off. That's a good thing. They get, to sit, they get to sit down too. We don't make them stand up. Well, I was thinking as I was getting ready to get today and about the power of a single word. Um, one word can, t- can change the way you're looking at things. One word can change your perspective on things. Realize that? And I was thinking as I was as prepared actually earlier this week um, to... to to be thinking about sharing. And I had the opportunity to share back in January. And after that, someone said something to me, and they meant it as a compliment. It was a compliment. They said, I appreciate how simple you present things, how simple what you do is. And it was a compliment. And I think that was good. Because you know what? I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I'm not a scholar. I have no degree from, uh, from anywhere in Bible. I have a business degree. But I've had a lot of word. And so I share what the Lord gives me to share. And so I think that's good. But I started focusing on that word simple. And, you know, simple means a couple of different things. It can mean easy. It can mean clear, easy to understand. But it can also mean inept or lacking in knowledge. And do you know what the devil did? To me, I know, to me. I started thinking on that word too long. You can dwell on the wrong word too long. And you know, when you dwell on the wrong thing, you'll never get the right answer. You'll never get the right answer. And so what I'm glad about is I have enough word in me to start recognizing when the devil does that. And I'm not giving him that place. And so we call that opening a door when you dwell on that and you give it. Because see, if he has our attention... If he can get you distracted from the good things that God's doing in your life, your attention is not on God. No matter how good you think you are, these eyes focus on the same thing. We do not have the ability to look both directions at the same time. And if you do, they have remedies to that. No, we're not created that way. I can't see this direction and that direction. I can't listen and look at what the devil is distracting me with and also stay focused on the things of God. It's not possible. You don't have two, le- two he- heads. We don't have two masters, the scripture says, right? So we call these things open doors. So as quickly as I realized that door was opened, you know what you can do? Now, if you, when I was growing up in my house, we did not slam doors. Do you have any mothers here that are against slamming doors? Does anybody still say that? If you slammed your door, you could bet that in a few minutes there was going to be somebody at that door taking care of the situation because that, that's not that's okay with the devil. You can slam the door right smack in his face. As soon as you realize it's open, you ought to be doing everything in your power to get it closed and say, no, I refuse to. I'm not receiving that. I'm, I did, I'm not turning a compliment into criticism. Amen. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. But I've done it. Glory to God. But we can close that door. I can do it sooner and clearer than I used to. And we're going to talk about how and why I can do that. So I made an adjustment. I slammed that door. And as, as usually, when you get your eyes back on him, what does he do? He'll talk to you. The Lord is faithful to get you a scripture. This, that Bible is full of his word. He'll talk to you. And this came up in my heart and it said, My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Easy, light. Simple is okay. And I thought, you know, he didn't make this hard. He made it simple. Simple is a good thing. Amen? So I want to look at a scripture. We're going to look at several scriptures tonight. Imagine that. 
imagine after what Brother Moore said, we are going to look at scriptures about what I'm talking about tonight. Glory to God. I'm so thankful that I'm able to be here tonight so that he can be somewhere else. That God has put people, not just me, but he has people in these churches that can deliver the word and that, that he talks to about the word so that Brother Moore can be out there ministering to those ministers. Did that bless your heart? It, it, it ministered to my spirit because that's what we're supposed to be about. And not all of us get on that plane and go do that, but we're there with him. Amen. That was good. So let's look at our scripture here. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. I'm in the New International, guys. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His plan... His way is easy. Following God is not hard. It's not hard. We have to get the hard out of our heads. Religion has made some things hard. Because religion makes says you have to do it. Right? It's not hard. This is, these are things that I was thinking. God is not angry at you. God doesn't hate you because you're struggling with things. God is not, God's word is not hard to understand. God is not being hard towards you. God loves you. God loves me. That's a simple statement that I, th- I think I talked about that a few times back when I spoke. That is an impactful statement. When, when Brother uh, Robison came to the church, he just said, God sent me to tell you he loves you. And that just tears streamed down my face. That's the most simple thing that you, we sing Jesus loves me all the time, right? We teach our children this. But the power of those words is so strong. God loves me. It's a big deal. He never intended for this to be hard, guys. Easy and light. Amen. Um, depending on the source that you look at, hold on just a second. No, I'm good. I'm good. We're good here. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I print these out and then I make notes on them, so I don't want to reprint them. So then I forget that I put, didn't put page numbers on them, so I have to write page numbers on them. Sometimes I have them out of order when I number them. So I had to go back. Because he helps me more than we know. Amen. But depending on the source that you look at, Jesus used expressions like follow me, come to me at least 50 times, and some, some say 70 plus times in the New Testament. And to, to paraphrase our pastor, do you reckon if he kept saying something, even simple words like follow me, come to me, that that's important for us to, to look at? We're word people, right? We say that all the time. I'm a word person. I go to a word of faith church. We believe in the word. Well, you need to study the words then. And if Jesus said something that many times, then it means something. So as I continued to think on this thought, other scriptures came up to me. And of course, as we just talked, Matthew 11, 28, come to me. Matthew 7, 7 verses 7 through 8 in the King James. We, we, you should know all these. These are very familiar, very simple verses. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask, seek, knock. 
We're going to look at Proverbs 3, 6. We should be, we should be able to quote that from just off the top of our heads. But in the New King James, it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Acknowledge Him. Come to me. Follow me. Ask. Seek. Knock. Acknowledge. Notice that all of these verses and words, keep them in mind because we're going to come back to them. But I started to see a theme coming up. And when you got to get up and talk in front of people, you're glad to see a theme start coming up. Because that means you got, got something. You're getting something from him. Amen. So the theme that started coming up to me is pursuing him. All of those words that we're talking about are action words. Go back to him. Come to me. Somebody can sit there. We, our child could be hurt. And you're saying, come here, come here, come here. They're going to have to take some steps to come to you, right? It's not enough to be there to comfort them. They're going to have to make an effort. We're going to have to make an effort to come to him. Follow me. Ask. It's one of my favorite things to teach with kids. You need to ask. Don't assume. Don't say this. Don't say I need. Wouldn't it be nice if ask if you need something? All right? That's going to require action on your part. Seeking requires action. Knocking requires action. I can stand in front of the door all I want to with the knocker right there. That's going to, everybody in that house is going to know I'm there. But if I don't reach out and do that, you can stand at that door a long time. Acknowledge. That's an action word. It may not be a physical action, but it's going to require an action of acknowledging Him. Amen? Well, that's the title for tonight's teaching and what we're going to talk about, Pursuing Him. And as I think back over my life, I've, I've shared a lot with you guys about growing up, um, but as I think over my life, there are specific times that I can think of that I was pursuing Him more closely than I was in other areas. And I'd like to say, you know, I got saved and I never left His side and I, and I stayed just close enough and just far enough back so I could follow, not try and lead, but that would be a lie. I've gotten out of sight sometimes, probably more than once. We won't go there. But we've done that, right? But I looked back over my life, and the Lord was reminding me of times that there were specific times that I was close to him. I grew up, I was in the, let's see, I was born in the 60s, 70s. In the 80s, I was a latchkey kid. My parents divorced when I was about 10. My mom worked very hard, very long hours. She worked preschool program, and then she worked after school program. So she was gone when I got up in the morning, and she was gone when I, or she wasn't home when I got home. So I had a lot of time. And in between, I, our school was about two miles, and I'm not saying this as a sob story. You'll understand. But I walked home a lot because I didn't want to hang out at the school for two and a half more hours. Imagine that. <laughs> Who wants to hang out at school after you're out of school, right? And my mom, she was a good mom. She did, her, she did everything she knew to do. Amen? Amen? There's a lot of good moms out there doing that. But I had that time. And you think, oh, that's terrible. You were alone. No. It wasn't terrible. I wasn't raised in church per se. We didn't go when I was real little. My parents put us on a bus when we were, I think, probably five or six years old. We had a huge bus ministry in our area. And I think there were eight or 10 or 12 buses that went all over town and picked up kids. So there were hundreds of kids. But my parents didn't go. I think that was their free daycare on Sunday morning. <laughs> but that's all right. They were raised in church. They knew better. It didn't take them long to get us there. But, but you know what happened on that bus ministry? I learned that God loved me. 
I don't remember the names of any of those teachers. I couldn't tell you. I can tell you we sang a lot of scripture songs that I still have with me today. But I got the message that God loved me. And so this little boy who walked home from school um, and probably was just as crazy as everybody thought driving by because I talked to myself. I didn't know that not to talk to God. I wasn't super spiritual, but I knew God loved me and I knew that God was my friend. So we had conversations. I know. We still do. So keep looking at me like that, but, it, but we still do. And people, people ask me, do you really talk to God? Yes. I don't have a, an audible conversation with him, but I know he speaks to me. I know that I know. You can't convince me otherwise. I know his voice because of what we're going to talk about tonight, because of pursuing him. But this little boy walking home learned about things of God from God. I didn't have any doctrine. I couldn't, couldn't have defined that word. But I loved God. And so I had a relationship with him. I was close to him. 10, 11, 12 years old until I got a car, which is probably one of the times I got away from him. But you understand, there was a, that was, there was a closeness there that I still value and treasure to this day. Because it taught me things about God I wouldn't have known otherwise. I know that. And then there were other times when I got ready to go to college. I was a good student in high school. I was a good kid. Imagine that. I had a bad attitude, but I was a good kid and, and, and academically, right? So I, so I came out of school. I, we lived in a little town in Oklahoma called Shawnee, Oklahoma. And it's a home of a very good university. Oklahoma Baptist University is there. Very good, very established school. Great school. Uh, Full-ride scholarship. Full-ride everything. I'm books. I, didn't, I wouldn't have had, to, as a matter of fact, I would have had money to live on. But I also had a good job. In high school, I worked. I told you, my mom was a, was a single mom. We, we had everything we needed provided for us. But if we needed extra, it was ours to do. We had to pay for our car insurance. I know. We had to buy our car. God forbid. You know what? I took care of that 76 Buick Skylark for a long time because it was wheels. And I put gas in it, and we had to pay for these things. So I worked, and the Lord blessed me with a great job. I worked for a real estate appraiser in high school, and I worked summers for three years. And then when I was, and I was making back then, and the, I was working just a couple hours after school every week, and I think they paid me $150 a week. That was a lot of money for a kid in high school in 1986, 85. So I had a good job, and he said, when you graduate, we'll get you, through, we'll get you certified. You'll be able to start helping us with the actual appraisal process. Could buy a new car. Something didn't set right in here. Everything in the natural looks good, right? You know, I'm a parent who just had two kids. I still have two, one kid in college and one that will be going back. As a parent, full-ride scholarship sounds really good. You want to believe that's God, right? <laughs> Doesn't mean it's God. What did Brother Moore just say? May sound like God, may look like God. Doesn't mean it's God. So here, this little 17-year-old kid, I was 17 when I graduated high school, got in my head that I wanted to go visit this school in Indiana called Anderson University. So my mother, who was a single mom, helped. We got, she got me a, a way to get up there, flew me up there, went to see this school. I knew the minute I hit the campus, I knew nothing about it. I knew nobody in the state. I didn't even have anybody within, I don't know, 500 miles. I knew that was where I was supposed to go to school. My mother did not. <laughs> my dad absolutely did not. But my mother said, 
I got home, she's, and she knew immediately. She, in her mind, she thought, I made a mistake. I put him on a course that he can't go down this road. But I knew in my heart. You know why? Because there was a little boy that learned to hear from God. Not because he was so smart, but because he had the opportunity. And he took God at his word. God loved me. God cared. So I had this scholarship, was getting ready to go to school, and, and this was in the spring when, when this would have been a fall semester. That's very late to apply for a college now. <laughs> it starts your junior year, actually, and some of your sophomore year. It's very late. But I, by faith, I put my application into Anderson um, because it was out of state, fewer grants, fewer scholarships, um, didn't look possible in the natural. But I got on the phone and I called OBU and I said, I declined my application, I'm not coming. And I turned down all the financial aid and they said, well, we're going to watch this for a couple weeks. We're going to keep this on file. And so you let us know if something changes. And I said, not changing. I know in my heart where I'm supposed to be going. God made a way. God made a way. It didn't look good in the natural. It was way more expensive to begin with. It was out of state. But I remember my mother and, and I having this conversation of saying, we don't have it. But I, I knew in my heart it was okay because God did. I didn't know anything about prosperity. But I knew that was where I was supposed to be. That was the right question. We're going to talk about questions in a little bit. You got to ask the right question. The question wasn't, do you have the money? The question wasn't, do you get the scholarships? The question is, where did God have for me to be? I believe I'd have had a great education, but a very different life. Because when I went to Indiana, I met my wife. I have two beautiful sons that were born there. Born there, Handsome sons, I should say. I, I was stuck on that word. Handsome sons who were born there. Got my first job there. Got some training that I still use to this day. Got to go to a church where Keith Moore came to preach. There's a pathway there. And the reason why I was able to go down that path is not because Tom is so smart, not because Tom is, is so on top of everything. It's because Tom was pursuing God. God was important in my life. He was my friend, my closest friend for a long time. So it matters what you're doing, guys, okay? Let me find where I am in my notes here. But as I began to think about uh, what these things had in common, as I said, in every case, I was pursuing him at those times. Those were not, that was not a hard decision for me. I struggled with it because it, what's the right way to put it? Because I knew my mother struggled with it, because I knew others struggled with it. But I had no doubt from the time I set foot in Indiana where I was supposed to be. Because I was pursuing him. Amen. So what does that mean, pursuing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Come unto me, follow me, ask, seek, knock, acknowledge, trust. When we pursue something, it requires wholehearted, focused attention. There's an intense desire associated with this thought, right? When we say that we're pursuing something, what do you pursue in life? Something that's not important to you? Someone that's not interesting to you? No. 
We pursue things that have value to us. We pursue things that we think are going to add value to us. We pursue things that are going to get us where we need to be, right? That's what we're pursuing constantly. Well, what do you pursue? Pursue, we pursue things that we have that deep desire for, but pursuing speaks to the priority that we place on a person or a thing, right? Pursuit is measured by the time, the energy, the resources, money, that we're willing to invest in it. How many times has, has, has uh, the business seminars, they used to say, if you want to know what your priorities are, look at your bank statement. Where's your money going? That's your priority. That's what you're pursuing, because you're going to invest in what you're pursuing. It has value to you. You're going to put into that. Amen? Amen. We place greater appreciation and higher value on the things that we're willing to make sacrifices for. I kind of joked about having a car. You know, I took care of that car. It didn't matter that it was 10 years old when I got it. It was chocolate brown. It had a white pinstripe all the way down the side, two-door. I wish I'd kept it. Little Buick Skylark. But do you know why it was, it was, I valued it? Because it cost me something. Do you know why people don't value things? Because they don't have anything in it. They didn't put anything in to begin with. So whatever. We'll see what happens. No. So what is pursuing God? It is wholeheartedly focusing our attention on Him. Pursuing is fixating, being preoccupied, enthusiastic, infatuated, hung up on God, wholeheartedly focused. Does that make sense? I need to think about the word, using the word pursue, because I've said that many times, and I think we use it in such a way that we don't really know what it means. Because the only thing in our lives we should be pursuing, if you're a Christian, is God. That's a big statement. But if, let me tell you, if you're pursuing him, the rest of it falls into place. And I mean falls into place. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Some people pursue a person, a spouse, a relationship. People pursue their dreams, their job, their career. People pursue hobbies very hard sometimes. I know people that are addicted to hobbies. They keep them out of church. We won't go there. What is it that you're pursuing? Think about this for a minute. I have friends that are in law enforcement and the military. When the military decides they're going to pursue a target, whatever resources are necessary, whatever plans have to be made, whatever equipment is needed, all of that is brought together to, in pursuit of that one target. Am I wrong? Is that correct? In law enforcement, if they're after somebody and there's, they're on a high-speed chase, there are people drop what they're doing to get, go after that target. Nothing is more important than making sure that pursuit is, is taken care of, right? We should be that way with the things of God, amen? When you pursue something, you are willing to do whatever is required to make it happen. Whatever that is. You're not looking at cost. You're not looking at what it's going to take time-wise. You're not going to look at it. And we've done this in our own lives. If you think about something, there was something that was so important to you that you decided, I'm going to make this happen. And you invested in it. You invested time. You invested resources. You invested finances. 
to make it happen. We have to be that passionate about pursuing the things of God. Amen? Um, the reason that we feel closer to Him, the reason I have felt closer to Him, and by the way, we're not, it's not supposed to be that way. You can get to a place of being close to God and walking with Him and not having those lapses in judgment. We should be striving towards that. And as I'm getting older, I like to look back and see that those times have become fewer and far between. Not saying I'm perfect, but I should be learning along the road. Amen. I have no excuses. We've been around this ministry going on 20 years. And I don't know that there's a finer place to be in school. So I'm learning just like you are. It's a good thing. But here's a few. What, the, the reason that we've lost track with him is not because or, or, or lost our pursuit is not because he's pulled away. It's because something else has taken that place in our lives. Maybe you got married. Maybe you decided you were going to pursue someone to get married. Maybe you decided you were going to go after this job or that job. Did you ever get tunnel vision about the wrong thing? It's because you got your pursuit of something or someone instead of him. Right? So we want to avoid the devil's distractions. And here are just a few of the big distractions. There's so much encompassed in this. Because if we're pursuing him... The devil's going to try and distract you. Anytime your eyes are on him, it's going to be getting better. We're going to be growing up. We're going to be seeing things differently. The devil doesn't want that. He has has nothing happier than to take you out before you've gotten anything accomplished here for the Lord. That's what he's seeking to do, to devour and destroy. Well, one of the biggies is emotion. Emotion, if you continue, I read this, if you continue to have an emotional response to everything that people say or do around you, you will never be in control of your destiny. Emotions. Mature people recognize emotions for exactly what they are. And you could see it in a big F-L-E-S-H. Flesh. It's flesh. Mature people learn to control their emotions instead of being controlled by them. I'll be really honest. This is the area of distraction that's, that's been the biggest struggle for me in my walk. I get emotional. I care what people say. Too much. Used to. I'm getting a whole lot better. But you cannot let what is done and said around you guide you because if you're letting that guide you, then you're not being led by the Spirit of God and you are not pursuing Him. doesn't mean you go around hurting people. But what people say is nothing compared to what God says. Don't let what someone says about you change something God has told you. Amen? Amen. What He said is bigger than people. It's more important than people. And if your eye is on that prize, then what people say doesn't matter. It didn't matter. It did matter to me. I mean, I'm going to go back to my college experience. It mattered to me that my mother didn't like that decision. But when I knew in my heart that that was what God had for me to do, I had to figure out a way to get past that. Honor her, respect her, but get past it. Because I was going to do what God told me to do. And I looked for this today. I've shared with you guys, I journal sometimes. That's how I deal with emotions sometimes. And it's good because you can read it and think that's a really stupid way to be thinking. (laughs) 
I'm serious. I write something down. I look back and I think, you believed that, and that is really dumb. So you, now the great thing about word process, you know, I don't call them word processors anymore. Help me. Word or whatever. Word processing programs is you can just delete it and it's gone. You don't even have to throw the, you don't have to shred the paper anymore or tear it up real tiny and put it in the trash. You just delete it and it's gone. But I do that from time to time. And so when I've reached those points in my life when I'm really at a, at a critical thing, you're pursuing God. You're asking him to talk to you, right? You're asking to hear from him. You're seeking his word on something. And, and I, I tried to find it today, and I, I think it was up in the attic and inaccessible but because I've kept these things over the years. But I had a little piece of paper that I kept by my bed. And I was praying about this because I was like, Lord, I've got to, I know this is the right decision. And I had this paper, and I wrote and I started to write on it about, about thinking about what I was thinking about school and things. And it came down to the bottom, and I wrote myself to sleep. I don't know how else to describe it. I went to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, this paper, the whole part of the paper that I remembered writing, it was all in my handwriting, was in one pen, but there were two lines at the bottom that were in a different pen. And it was God saying something to me. Now that came through my spirit and through my hand, but he does, he has a passion to reach you. And to talk to you. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. We want to hear from him. But your emotions can keep you from doing those things. So if you have to write them down and realize how silly they are, write them down and realize how silly they are. Because they're flesh. And I want, now we're going to give you some scriptures about emotions. Because it's not just Tom saying we're supposed to control them or that we can control them. James 1, 19 and 20. This is New King James. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear... Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Tom's version says, control your emotions. Am I right? Isn't that what that's saying? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, New King James also. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That emotional stuff, we're not supposed to carry it. We're not designed by God to carry it. Jesus took it, cast it on him. It's very real. I'm not talking to you about something I don't know about. You know, the depression has become very serious in our society. And it's, 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 you didn't used to hear about it years ago. People didn't talk about it. That wasn't good either. But then the, the negative to talking about it all the time is, you know what happens? Everybody has it. Everybody has it. One of the wisest things, uh, Dave says lots of good things. One of the wisest things I remember him saying was, quit Googling every symptom that you have. Do you remember that? I thought, Amen. Because, you know, you got a stump toe and you end up with, you know, liver cancer. <laughs> it's crazy, you guys. Just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. They want to sell you something. Get with it. Nothing is free. Not even information. I don't care if the web is free. It's not free. They're tracking you for other things. <laughs> I'm not paranoid. It's true. Amen? But it's emotions. And depression is real. And depression happens, and we can let those emotions take over, but it's flesh. 
And I'll just say it. At some point, you're going to have to get over it. We as a church, we, I, you believe, I ask anybody in this room, does God heal cancer? Yes. He heals cancer. Can he heal your heart disease? Yes. Can he heal high blood pressure? Absolutely. Can he heal your mind? That's the right answer. But we like to think it's harder for some reason than any other part of the body. Well, he made everything from way up here to down there. Nothing in there that he can't fix. Nothing, including your mind. Glory to God. I didn't mean to get onto that, but but it's true. And I had to ask the Lord to help me with emotions. Because I could I could invent an entire scenario in a matter of seconds. And I was proud of it. Proud was the right word. Somebody said something and I had an entire concocted, this is what's happening, this is what they're doing, this is what's going on behind my back. None of it's true. It's just the devil sitting there going. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need to see these triggers. I need to see what sets me down that path. Because there's something that the enemy has figured out about me and my ways and my personality that he knows how to push those buttons. And so when he pushes one, I want you to push two. I need to know. I need to see it. And do you know what he did? He helped me see it. And you begin to identify those things. People, this is how you heal this. You get in the Word of God and you ask him to help you. Because if you're pursuing him, he is pursuing you. Which is counterintuitive to how we think. How can you pursue someone who's also pursuing you? It can happen. God does it every day. With every person that's chasing after him, he's chasing after them. With all these good things. Amen? Amen. People is another thing that will be a distraction. And I wrote down, including your family. And there's chuckles because we all go to Faith Life Church. We all go to a word church. We believe things that the word says that a lot of people don't. And your family... Will, will be one of the ones that come against you from time to time. We love them. They're not going to change my path. Amen? One of the biggest lies that the enemy tells us is we're supposed to be accepted or validated by people around us. Show me that in the scriptures. It's not there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, New King James says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who are you looking to for validation? Jesus. I'm pursuing him. I want Edward to like me, but if he doesn't, that's okay. I'm pursuing Jesus. Edward does like me. Edward loves me. Amen? Pursuing God will cause people around you to react in one of two ways. Because this people will fall into two categories. Those that are pursuing God and those that are not. There is no kind of pursuing Him. We like to pretend that there is. I can do this and I can seek God on this. I can go and do this on the weekends on the, during the week and come here on the weekends and, and, and be okay with God. And God is merciful and loving, but that's the same as not pursuing God. 
This is a full-time endeavor that we're on when we talk about pursuing Him. Amen? Those who are pursuing God are going to cheer you on. They're going to pray for you. They're going to encourage you. These are your faith buddies. These are the people that you call when your family says, you're in a cult. And they say, no, you're not in a cult. You think just like I do, because we see this in the Word. God's Word says, God's Word says, that's a key factor that someone is pursuing Him. Brother Moore just said that. I didn't see that video until, until you guys watched it right then. But what did he say? They're pursuing this Word. That's a key signal that someone is pursuing Him. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Those who are not will try and tear you down and pull you away from the things of God. They do not understand your commitment or your focus or your pursuit of Him, and they do whatever they can to take you off the path. Now, I want to point something out here. I did not say these are Christians or non-Christians. You can be a Christian and never pursue Him. You can believe that He's your Lord and Savior and never pursue Him in this life. It's a mistake, but it can happen. And well-meaning people, we don't want to be those people. We want to be a pursuer. Well-meaning people will pull you away. Well, so what, what we were talking about, about it's not always, it's, we, you think we have to look on the outside. The enemy's not going to use somebody close. He's wise as a serpent, right? Yes. He knows. He's going to use those that are closest who maybe have gotten off. And you know, and I, and I, God forbid, and I've repented, I've found myself doing that. When I was at a place that wasn't good, you try and get other place people there. Because you know what? It's not fun being grumpy and crabby alone. We want to just recruit, recruit, recruit. <laughs> Sad, but it's true. What we need to do is a lot less of this and a lot more of this. And that's one of the things the Lord told me. You need to shut up. You said, God says shut up. He said, shut up. To me. And I've become quieter. If you've been around me very much over the last few years, you've noticed I have a lot less to say. Because I don't care about what Tom thinks anymore. I care much more about what he thinks. My opinions, it's funny. People say, do you have an opinion? I didn't formulate an opinion. Why? wasn't mine to have an opinion about. If you don't take the time and the energy to formulate an opinion, you don't have to defend something that isn't yours to defend. Not my tomato or pineapple or whatever. And I don't say that to be funny. Or, I mean, it is funny, but I don't say it to be light. We are formulating opinions day and night. Look at Facebook. People have opinions about stuff they know absolutely nothing about. They read two lines and, man, they will shred you. That's why I don't post on Facebook. Because I would care about somebody in India and I never saw in my whole life and what they said about me. We're putting way too much, much uh, weight on opinions and not enough weight on the Word of God. It should matter to you what this says. Facebook is not the Word of God. It's a good tool. I'm not knocking it. I think there's good things out there. But when you're looking at that, 
And if I had little windows that popped up across people, there's people spending way much more time on Facebook and social media than they are in the Word. Amen. That's not pursuing God. Even if you're out there on Facebook saying, I'm praying for everybody. <laughs> That's not ministry in the same way. I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. But I'm saying it should be minimized. You better be doing what he's called you to do in that. Amen? Amen. If he's called you to be a social media warrior, be the best social media warrior you can be. Amen. But make sure that's what he's called you to do. Amen? Amen? Finances is another big distraction. We said God never looks at your checkbook before he asks you to do something. Has anybody ever heard that before? I think Brother Copeland, I've heard several pastors say it. He doesn't ever check to see his, how much money he has in the bank before he says this is what we need to accomplish. Right? Um, the ex- I'm going to refer back to my college thing again. I did mention to you that, that that university was expensive. It was about three times as expensive. This was back in the, I think I started in, let's see, it would have been 87, fall of 87. It was between 20 and 30,000 a year. It was kind of crazy expensive. But it, is that the question? No, it wasn't the question. And you know what God did? I worked, and I think people should work, by the way. I worked. When I graduated, four years of university, I graduated in four years, back when everybody was saying it was popular to be five. Is it still popular to take five now? Listen, if you're paying for it, do it in four. <laughs> Did it in four years. When I graduated in 1991, I had about $6,000 in student debt. That was it. That was it. And you know, within a year, that was gone. And my first job for Warner Press, doing trade shows, which was design, um, paid $16,000 a year. Less than one year. I was looking back at that stay, and I never thought about that before. $6,000, that's more than a third of our income. One year, that debt was gone. That is God. Because I'm not that good at finances. Also had a, got married. We had a new baby the next year. But our debt was paid off. That's God, you guys. Why? Because I knew what that decision was supposed to be. I never doubted it. I didn't. I was so, I mean, in some ways you think back, that was, how, were you, how did you not think about that? I didn't, and I realized because I was pursuing him. That was irrelevant to the conversation. If I'm pursuing him and God said it, that's his to take care of. That's not mine to stress about. Never in the Bible does it say worry, freak out, try and figure it out. I don't see that anywhere. Show me the scripture for that. It does say trust him. Cast your cares on him. Ask, seek, knock. Amen? Amen. So in finances... 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. Finances should not be a problem. Amen? Amen. So as we talked, as I, those are some of the big, the big areas. Those are big areas <laughs> that you're going to have to keep from distracting you as you're pursuing Him. 
So this next little group I called In Pursuit of Pursuing. Pursuing God begins with finding Him. You started your journey with Him when you said, I believe that God's Word is true. I believe that you died. I believe that you paid the price for my sins. I believe that you rose again. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That was the start of a pursuit. Everybody starts the race right then. Not everybody finishes it, but everybody starts the race right then. Pursuing God means to become like Him, to be changed according to His standards, to acquire His characteristics, and to become more and more like Him. We were made in His image. He was not made in ours. That is an important distinction because we live in a culture that tries to flip that around. Our culture says... um, You have to conform to me. I am who I am. Be you. You seen those shirts now? Be you. What does that mean? There's not a you alive that somebody should want to be. You should want to be what God has for you to be. We were made in... He's not... We don't make him righteous. He made us righteous. It's flip-flopped in our culture. That's a very important distinction. It's not vice versa. He didn't say, let us create man in his image and we'll, we'll change ourselves to be like him. It's absurd, but it is exactly what we are witnessing in our society right now. The creation has decided that they are better than the creator. That they know better how to run their lives. That they know better that they were born away. Listen, you were born into sin. Sin is sin. We like to rank it. God doesn't. He doesn't have it ranked. Smoking, adultery, homosexuality, murder. Sin. It's real simple. Back to that word. One word, sin. I could get myself in a whole lot of trouble. We're not going to do it. But pursuing is an action that never stops. You don't arrive. You don't um, receive all truth the minute that you start. Wouldn't it be nice if you just got a brain dump the moment that you accepted, you came to that realization, you saw the light that this is true. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. And all the truth of that word just flowed into you. If that happened, then every sin and everything that you struggle with would be gone. Raise your hands if every problem you had disappeared when you accepted Jesus. Don't put your hand up. Someone should slap it if you do. It didn't. Because that's not how it works. You're pursuing Him. You're going to get truth as you go along the way. And you know what? He's going to tell you. You know, you need to quit that. It's time. There were things that were okay for this period. If this is my relationship with God up here, there were things that were okay for here. But it wasn't okay here. And things that were okay here, that over here, not okay anymore. Why? Because I'm growing in truth. He's showing me this isn't okay. Same thing as growing up. There's things that you'll let a two-year-old do that you're not going to let a six-year-old do. It's cute when they're one and a half. It's not cute when they're 16. God's exactly the same way, you guys. It's simple. 
We make it hard. We say religion says you got saved. You have to quit drinking, quit smoking, quit cussing, quit womanizing. Some people have been doing this for years, you guys. And do you know what they do? They walk away. Defeated, condemned, not by God, but by this people. People who are not pursuing God. Because it's real simple when you're pursuing God and you have a full awareness of what God has done in your life and you know He's changed you and you know He's healed you and you know He's delivered you and you know that you're not doing the things that you used to do. And you know what? By the way, He can take the desire away. You can wake up one day and just think, you know, that's that's been an addiction for years. I don't have that anymore. Not because you decided to quit, because you decided to focus on him. And he helped you. And there have been things in my life that I didn't even have to say, God, help me with this. It was just gone. And then you go back and you think, it's gone. I'm not looking for it. But it's gone. Why? Because you become so engrossed in Him that those things become unnecessary because they're flesh. Because they're not spiritual things. They're not Mrs. Moore's statement, spiritual things are spiritual. Other things are not. And so if you're focused on Him, these things fall into place. We don't need to condemn people for that. Fill up the church with people that smoke and drink and do things that they shouldn't because if they're here seeking God, pursuing Him, they're going to change. What is it Mrs. Moore says? If we can keep them coming, we can help them. He will help them. He uses us, but He does the work. Amen? We are not called to pursue the blessings. We're called to pursue Him. Salvation, healing, provision, I talked about those. Everything that we do, but if we get our eyes on those things instead of on Him, they're distractions too. People all the time, they get hung up on salvation and they, they pursue salvation instead of pursuing Him. Salvation's done, but they get hung up in works. Amen? You'll never earn your salvation. It's not going to happen, but people get hung up there. And it's a distraction. They, per- we, they pursue the manifestations of the Spirit instead of the gifts of the Spirit. And as you pursue Him, that's what makes the gifts work. We've been learning about this. Rich Word. Amen. Praise God that we are in this place. I'm so thankful for what's been happening. We've, we've, I've heard stuff taught on the Holy Spirit I have never heard. Amen? And some of it I needed to hear again. What I had. So God is helping us, you guys. They pursue the healing, a healing, but not the healer. They're begging, heal me, heal me, heal me. See, instead of seeking the one who can. It's sobering, but it's true. They pursue money and find themselves loving the money instead of loving the giver of all things. These are not things we're to pursue. We're to pursue Him. We are to build up the Spirit and seek Him. We should not have to focus on the flesh. It doesn't mean you're not going to have flesh, but if you're focusing on Him, that flesh comes into line. 
Because just like I said, we can't focus on the, on the good and the bad at the same time, on the, on the father and the enemy at the same time. You can't focus on... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Hold on. Help us, Lord. What was I talking about? Do what? You don't focus on the flesh. Thank you. You don't focus on the flesh because when you're building up the spirit, the flesh is over here. But the enemy gets us turned and says, look at your flesh. And when we're looking at that, we're not looking at the spirit. Get back over on the spirit side. Amen. And start asking the right questions. I've said this several times as we've gone through. One of the, Brother Moore has told a story about this, and I'll tell you a story about mine. The Lord told me one time, I was pleading with him about something. We had a house that needed to sell. Needed to sell. Different state, sitting empty, paying mortgage, electric. You, you know, you can't just turn everything off and walk away. So you have two households going, not fun. Maybe some of you have that situation going right now. Listen carefully. Because we, I was, you know, we were pleading with God, this house needs to sell. This house needs to sell. It was a great house. There were lots of things in the natural that were keeping it from selling. We, it was 2008. Big house, small town. In the natural, looked impossible. I was smart enough to know it didn't matter what it looked. But it wasn't selling. So finally, clearly this was not a moment when I was walking particularly close to the Lord because finally I said, God, this isn't your will. I know that. And he said something to me that had absolutely nothing to do with the house. Nothing. Not in the most remote way did it have anything to do with the house. But he said, you did this. And it caused this chain of events to happen. I'm not going to go into it. It's a whole other testimony. You did that. That happened. You haven't dealt with it. And let me tell you, why you want to pursue him is because I could have used that answer two years before. And he wasn't waiting to tell me. Amen? I wasn't ready to receive it because I wasn't ready to ask the right question. I'm asking, why isn't this house selling? What do we need to do to sell this house? Lord, what else do we need to do? There was nothing in the natural we needed to do. But this had happened. I'll tell you how long it took to fix it. I picked up that phone. I said I was wrong. The Lord told me I did this and it caused this to happen and that made life hard for you. And I'm sorry. And I'm emotional because God loved me enough to let me fix that. God loved me enough. And you know, we had a contract on that house within a week. Sold it at a very good price. Closed quick. Just like that. Because I asked the right question. A lot of people are not pursuing him, and because of that, you're not asking the right questions. You think it's this. This was something that, if I, if I had time and I don't to get into it, you would think, what on earth does that have to do with the house? It had everything to do with the house. Because it was a spiritual thing that was keeping God from being able to move on my behalf. I said keeping God. 
I was, what I did, was in it. I, I disabled his ability to move on my behalf. You can do it. Whole nother sermon in that. Amen. But it sold that quick. Within a week. Within a week. And then I was mad at myself. I'm like, kick yourself. But you know, God restores. He's faithful. We didn't go under. Glory to God. We didn't go under. Praise God. Another example of that, though, is that things are changing in the ministry. Brother Morris talked about it, right? We've got an international building now. We don't know what that means any more than you do. Other than God is doing big things. That's what I know. And you know, we're going to pursue Him. And what's going to happen along the way is going to happen. And it's going to be good. I know that. Like, like Edward said, it's, it's good. We know God is good. It's faithful. But things are changing in the ministry. And things changed what? Where are we going on? Seven years old here? Seven or eight? We're in our eighth year, right? It's coming up, you guys. The baby's growing up. It's a good thing. But when we came out here, and we, I was talking to Mrs. Moore about this this week, it was made very clear that we were not to get excited about being in Florida. I mean, we were excited to be at the church, but we were not moving to Florida. Am I wrong? Amy's there. There's others. Not moving to Florida. Not moving to Florida. We came down here to help. We were going to get things started. We were going to help and get it done. I think we'd been here. Maybe the church was a month old, two months old. You guys looking at houses? It didn't catch me off guard. That was just to be funny. You know why? Because we were pursuing him. And the question, in the natural, there were lots of reasons why we shouldn't move to Florida. We had just moved our kids across. They were both still in high school. We had moved them across the country twice. And within just a few years, we had a home in Missouri. We had had trouble selling a home somewhere else. Just shared that with you. These are the things that your natural mind wants to go through. Amy's parents had sold their home and were coming to Branson. Branson. They're in Florida here now. We're thankful for that. But they were coming to Branson. As a matter of fact, we got called to Florida before they arrived in Branson. We had to, I mean, literally same day. They came, we called, we said, we've got to go. And they got in the car and came down to be with the kids. Our kids didn't suffer. You know why? Because we're pursuing God. And when you're pursuing him, none of that matters. The question was not, do we sell a house? Do we move our kids? Do we do this? Do we do that? The question was, the question was, are we supposed to help the Moors? Is that what God called us back to this ministry to do? And if the answer to that question is yes, then the rest of it was easy. Because Missouri, Alaska, please not Alaska, but Alaska, (laughs) Timbuktu, doesn't matter. Because the question is, what are you supposed to be doing? The question isn't money. The question isn't house. The question isn't kids. Now, this is counter to how we think. Because there are people right now that would argue with me that your kids are first. And I'll tell you what, you put your kids first, they're going to have some hard times. You have to put the pursuit of God first. He will take care of your children. He is well able. He fixed you. 
He is well able to take care of your kids. Glory to God. It wasn't convenient, but it was expedient. I know that our lives changed because we came to Florida. Our family grew. We have, look at all of you, your family. We have a beautiful family in Missouri. We're going to see you soon. We have all these people on the internet that are family that we've never met. Going to someday. You can come here too and meet us before then. Here or Branson, either one. But I know that our lives are different because of it. Amen? Why? Because we are pursuing God. Whatever it takes. Peel back the questions and get to the question. That'll help you. There's some good word in that. Look at all the questions like a banana. Keep peeling it till you get to the core and you think, that's it. That's the right question to be asking. If the devil can get you to focus on the wrong question, you will miss the right answer. Don't do it. Spend time with him. Seems obvious, but it doesn't happen by accident. I have an exercise room at my house. Don't laugh. It's got great equipment in it. Great equipment. Dusty equipment. Does that equipment do everything it's supposed to do? Yeah, it works. You plug it in, you get on it, push the buttons, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Is it doing me any good if I don't go in there and push the buttons and turn the power on and (laughs) blow the dust off of it? It's exactly the same thing with the things of God. They're there. He's there. All you have to do is dust it off and turn the power back on. It'll make a difference. Amen? You have to believe, really believe, dare to believe. I like when Mrs. Moore said in one of her sermons, she was talking about the reason why people don't have what God has for them is because we don't really believe it. We will come to church and we'll shout it and we'll say, yes, God does that. Yes, amen. Brother Moore says it. We believe it. We get there, but we get home and we don't really believe it. You lay in your bed and you worry. And you think, this cancer is going to take me out. No. You have to believe it. You have to believe that you believe that you believe. And you know what? You can do it in a battle, but it's a whole lot easier to believe it before the battle comes. I shared with you last time, Amy had some health concerns. We didn't wait till we were in the middle of the battle to have the word. And we were so sure of God's word that the doctors thought we weren't walking in truth. You don't understand how serious this is. Oh, I understood. Got it. Serious, we got it. But because we weren't falling apart, the world says this isn't a normal reaction. But it was a spiritual reaction. It was a focused on Him reaction. It was saying, God said, we believe, I hear you, but that's not what He said. Amen? But you better believe it. You better believe it. Believe, believe, dare to believe. You have to believe it and you have to believe that it's for you. And if you're pursuing Him, a lot easier to believe it. Amen? Our pursuit of God will encompass many, many things in our spiritual journey. Uh, Those of us here and in Branson, you're watching here tonight, you're pursuing God. 
You made the effort to get here, right? You guys made the effort to get online. You booted up your system. You got everything in place so that you could join for tonight's service, so that you could hear the Word of God. That's part of pursuing Him. But there are people in here tonight that are sponges, and they're soaking in every bit of it. And you're listening to what God has to say. (coughs) Excuse me. And you're absorbing it, and you're believing it. You're taking it. And there are people that are sitting in the same anointing, hearing the same word over and over again, and they leave exactly the same way that they came in. That's sad. But it's also true. Because hearing it and taking it in is not acting on it and pursuing Him. All of those words that we talked about are action words. In every case, those are things that we're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Those are things we're supposed to do. Come, what is, what, let me go back to them. Hold on. Give, rest. Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong stack of words. Hold on. I got them. They're right here. Bold even. Come to me. Follow me. Ask. Seek. Knock. Trust. Those are all things we're going to have to do. Amen? Amen. We can get spiritually fat sitting in a pew. We can hear everything. We like to think, you know, that you get fat because you won't put down a fork. There's truth to that. But there's also spiritual truth to it. You can take, you know, you like to think people get fat because they eat the wrong things. You can get fat eating the right things. The real basic principle is, what are you taking in? What are you burning? What happens to the rest of it? It's either burned or stored, friends. Not a hard concept. They like to change all these diet plans. And I know those of you that are saying he should be on it, don't judge. We're all very well aware of our physical needs, right? Right? God's helping us. But you can sit in a pew and become spiritually fat, listening to good stuff and doing nothing with it. And that is not okay. That is not pursuing him. You know how you burn spiritual energy? You pursue Him. You hear it, and you grind it, and you do just what I said when I got up there. It starts churning around inside of you. And you know who you talk to about it? You talk to the Lord about it. Say, Lord, what does this mean? What are you saying to me? People come to us all the time. You need to, are you going to go listen to this? Are you going to go do that? Are you going to go do this? Are you going to go listen to this, Pastor? Did you hear this on this? We are very careful about what we take in. And it has nothing to do with the fact, I do not believe that Keith Moore is the only man of God in this country. None of us do. He's a good man of God. He's an anointed man of God. He's where we're supposed to be. But there's lots of good pastors out there. But this is my journey. This is my spiritual journey. And what I take in for me may be different than what you need to take in for you. Amen? Amen. But I'm going to eat at the table that the Father put me at. And I'm hooked with this ministry. So you know where the vast majority of my food comes from? This ministry. Doesn't mean I don't get an appetizer over here and a dessert over there. God's going to get me what I need. But I'm going to listen to what He has for me to take in. First and foremost, you should be asking Him. 
Because you can take in good things that are no benefit to you. They'll cause, there'll be a distraction in your life. Because you weren't supposed to eat it. And I'm not going to every restaurant that has a good review. I'm listening to him and what he has for me to be fed. And you listen to him for you. I'm not telling you not to. Don't say that. But you have to listen to this. And, and if you're going to pursue God, it's going to require you to hear from him and to be fed at his table. Because you know what? I'm in a different place than you are and you are and you are and you are and you are. And what you need to sustain your growth right now is different than what I need. And what you're going through in your life is different than what I'm going through. Everybody's going through something, but it's not the same thing. And what's going to minister truth to you will not minister truth to you. Because it's you don't have the same light as you do. Amen? Amen? This is why pursuit is so important, guys. This is why it is so big in my heart. Because if you will pursue Him, if you'll get on this path, if you'll jump in with both feet and run and prepare and focus, everything else that you think is so big becomes very small. Because the only thing that goes into the next life is what you're pursuing with Him. What you're accomplishing in that pursuit with Him. None of the rest of it matters. The houses, the cars, those are all great benefits down here. We believe in those benefits. I believe God is a good God. That He has a good life for us to live down here. But none of that's going with us. What have we been learning about on Sundays? Reward. It all ties in, you guys, into pursuing Him. And you say he's oversimplifying it. I'm not. If you get on that path and you pursue him, it will change everything in your life. Because suddenly nothing else matters. You know, when you're pursuing something, it's almost like you get tunnel vision. I don't have tunnel vision. Thank you, Lord. But I've had experiences where it just, it's so clear. Everything else is gone. Has anybody else ever had that? It becomes so clear to you. That's what pursuing Him will do. We can come to a place where we are so focused on Him, where the only thing that matters to us is what He said, that you don't even hear the voices anymore. You love them. You care about them. But I am no longer willing to take the risk of getting off this path. Come with me is what you want to say. Amen. Come with me. We're going good places. But we should be drawing that close to Him. Amen. Look only to Him. And what He has said about you, let nobody, nobody tell you anything different. Amen. Amen. Don't let what's happening or being said around you distract you from what He said. You will find everything you need in pursuing Him. Everything. All provision. It will produce everything you need in this life. Let's look at our scriptures again. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Go back to the first verse on that. Was it 28? 27? Nope. There. Come to me and I will give you. 
There's a result in that verse. Let's go to the next verse. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask, given. Seek, find. Knock, opened. Go on to verse 8. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And he that knocketh, it shall be opened. Seeing something there? Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Acknowledge, direct. It's not hard. It's very simple. Give, rest, given, find, opened, received, directed. You don't have to beg him. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. Amen? Isn't that good? As you pursue him, you will find that God is accountable to his word. What he says he is obligated to do. You say obligation is a big word. It is a big word. It means to bind or compel someone, especially legally or morally. I didn't obligate him. He did. He is obligated. That's not a wrong word. He is obligated to fulfill what he says to you. As you pursue him, as you do what he says, what does that say? Ask and maybe you'll find. Sometimes. Every now and then. Seek, and every once in a while I'm going to let you find me. Just every once in a while, if you're really good. No. I don't see those qualifiers in there. I say ask, seek, find, given, receive. This is not hard. He has no... God. All right, let's see. Let me go back to this because it's important. God is obligated to reward your obedience to Him. He has no obligation to reward your disobedience. None. That's harsh. No, that's how it works. He's obligated here. God was, God's was back to our house. God wanted that house to sell. I wasn't being obedient. Is that God's fault? Nope. As a matter of fact, I could have asked two years earlier. I'm confident if I had asked sooner, he'd have told me sooner. (laughs) He's not trying to hide things from us. Amen? Amen. But he's not obligated in my disobedience. But what happened the minute that my obedience changed? The impossible happened. Because we didn't only sell it, we made money on it in a depressed market. Glory to God. I'm not confused. But I also am smart enough to know that just like that, my obedience, my disobedience can become obedience. It can go away that quickly. Amen. Your pursuit of God and what that pursuit produces in you are the only things that will go forward. We just talked about that. It's the only thing you're going to take with you. Amen. We don't pursue God to get more. We pursue him because there is more. Amen. He will never disappoint you. Never. The scripture says that everyone that runs to him, everyone that pursues him makes it. Everyone. Amen. One last scripture. and I just thought this was really good. 
There is a place where we can know him so well that we just, like I said, we only hear his voice. We only know. And you know, there, you can, if Rachel or Ethan called me on the phone, I know their voices. If Shireen called and said, this is, this is Rachel, I would say, no, it isn't. It's Shireen. How do I know that? Because I've talked to them a lot. Shireen's office is next to mine. You learn to know his voice. And you all, and yes, you say, Lord, but you know. And that knowing, I'm telling you, it's like a, I was using the food analogy earlier. Are y'all hungry now? I am. <laughs> but it can get, it's like a good meal. When you feel that presence of God and you know, when I heard that I was disobedient and I got it fixed, you know what that did for my faith? I don't care if it had taken 10 years. I would take that feeling of hearing from God and doing what he said and producing a work in my life. Thank God it's coming sooner. Amen. You can do that in a day. You can start out the day wrong. Fix it and turn your entire day around. Amen. Don't wait two years like I did. Don't wait until you're desperate. I read something that said, don't, don't wait until you quit bleeding to go to the emergency room. <laughs> Fix it. Get it fixed. Run to him. He wants you. Amen. He wants you to see you. He, he's waiting for you to pursue him. Because that just empowers him to come right back at you. Amen. John 15, 7. If you abide in me... And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Pursuing him, abiding in him should be what we all have at the top of our list. I'm going to pursue the things of God. My flesh doesn't like that all the time. My flesh wants to move to an island somewhere. My closest friends know this. But you know, I'm thankful for close friends that can laugh about moving to an island, but no, Tom ain't moving to an island until God says move to an island. And he might. We aren't discounting that. But it won't be an island where I can't do something for him. I can guarantee you that. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Thanks for staying hooked and paying attention, you guys. God has very good things for his children.